0: The Biden White House goes after Tucker Carlson by name as other media members unleash their rage. Jill Biden celebrates International Women's Day by giving a medal to a dude. And the Justice Department cracks down on the Louisville Police Department. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Well, Tucker Carlson has ticked off all of the right people, apparently. So Tucker was given access to 41,000 hours of footage of the January 6th riots and what was going on inside the Capitol building by Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House. And this was considered very, very controversial. It was considered controversial because how dare he give access to just Tucker Carlson? Well, as it turns out, the January 6th committee is now admitting that even they did not bother watching the videos. They had some of their staffers watch the videos that they themselves did not attempt to gain access to the videos. Elena Treen who's a political reporter at CNN reported this morning that Kevin McCarthy has now granted lawmakers the option to view the Capitol footage from January 6th if they request to see it. Marjorie Taylor Greene told CNN, quote, any one of us can go. You just have to schedule the time of the speaker's office. I'm scheduled to go. I can take my staff with me. Greene said she doesn't know who's all in the room or if the U.S. Capitol Police will be there, but to their instructions, her team has been given, including how to view the videos because there are so many hours. Benny Thompson, here's the key part. Benny Thompson, who is the former chair of the January 6th committee, said lawmakers were never given that type of access to the footage last Congress. So even the January 6th committee is admitting that other members of Congress were not given access to the footage that Tucker showed the other night, which is kind of mind-boggling. Again, Congress is Congress. It's not supposed to be secret committees inside Congress. When we are talking about an incident that affected all of America and that was put on all of our TVs on January 6th, Thompson's quoted strictly a new policy that the new speaker has put in place. Thompson said he doesn't think any of the January 6th members themselves ever had access to the footage. They only let staff view it. So apparently, even the Capitol Police only allowed the staff of these committee members to view it. But the members of the staff themselves did not view it. He said, I'm actually not aware of any member of the committee who had access. We had a team of employees who kind of went through the video. So in other words, you were just kind of talking heads on behalf of ABC producers you guys gave access to. And somehow that is significantly better than Speaker McCarthy giving access to all of the Congress people and also Tucker Carlson. That's somehow significantly better. You don't get to play a stupid game in which you do a thing to one side. And then the other side does the same thing and it's bad when the other side does it. That's not how any of this works. Well, the White House has now gotten particularly upset with Tucker Carlson and they have called him out by name. Now, this is not the first time that we've had a White House call out members of the right by name. Barack Obama used to do this on the regular with, Ru- with Rush Limbaugh. He would just cite Rush Limbaugh as kind of the font head of all evil. Well, Tucker has become the new font head of all evil for this White House. They're particularly upset that Tucker showed footage of QAnon shaman walking around the Capitol building. He was one of the first 30 people to break in, but then he's walking around and the police officers are guiding him. They say this is a de-escalation tactic. Okay, fine. Also, it kind of is weird. And not only is it kind of weird, there's tons of footage of people, like large crowds, kind of walking through the Capitol building. In other words, the footage from outside, which appears to be extremely violent and extremely chaotic, is not mirrored altogether by a lot of the footage inside thereafter, in which people are kind of walking the halls and many of them are not defacing things. Again, It's not as though the riots didn't happen. The riots definitely happened. The question is whether we were told the whole story and the answer is we weren't told the whole story and that footage was never revealed to the public at all. And now Tucker is being raked over the coals for this. Now, the question is whether he's being raked over the coals for the angle that he's taking on it, which many people are suggesting downplays the the idea there were riots at all, or whether he's being raked over the coals for revealing the footage. And it seems more like the latter. The White House went directly after Tucker Carlson by name yesterday. Of course, they went to their friends at Politico. Quote, in comments first shared with Politico, the White House joined Republican Senate leaders and Capitol Police Chief Tom Manger, who a day earlier assailed Carlson's broadcast of selected assault footage as, quote, being filled with offensive and misleading conclusions. White House spokesperson Andrew Bates said, we agree with the chief of the Capitol Police and the wide range of bipartisan lawmakers who have condemned this false depiction of the unprecedented violent attack on our constitution and the rule of law, which cost police officers their lives. We also agree with what Fox News' own attorneys and executives have now repeatedly stressed in multiple courts of law that Tucker Carlson is not credible. So they're now going directly after one particular host. Now, I was informed during the Trump administration that attacks on the press meant the death of the republic. Democracy dies in darkness, as The Washington Post suggested. Any attempt to frame the press as, quote unquote, the enemy of the people, which is a phrase that Trump liked to use a lot, that was absolutely an assault on the First Amendment. It was violating our most cherished and deeply held beliefs. By now, you have the White House essentially going after one guy and suggesting by name that that guy is not credible. And then you have the Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer going out publicly and suggesting that he should be taken off the air. Yeah, it seems to me that there's only one reason that the White House is really doing this. And it's not because they think that Tucker Carlson should actually be taken off the air. The reason they are doing this is because they actually enjoy controversies around January 6th because it means that people are talking about January 6th. And that is actually what the White House wants. Joe Biden wants nothing more than for January 6th to be the topic of discussion all the way up through the next election cycle. He thinks that that'll ride him back to the White House. And that maybe a smart political strategy. It also happens to be really, really toxic because the fact of the matter is that we all at this point should know what happened on January 6th. There was a riot. People got violent with police. It was not all the people who were at the rally, the original rally for Trump, not even, not even remotely. And many of the people who entered the Capitol building were in fact trespassing, but were not in fact there to do violence. They, they were not there to, to beat up Congress people. There were some people who were There are people there who were threatening violence and doing that sort of stuff. But that was not everybody who was in the Capitol. Like all those things can be held in your mind at once. But the idea, as always, is that the American people can only handle a single black and white narrative, and there can't be any shades of gray or any complexity to any situation at all. It's, there's no nuance whatsoever. And, and the White House likes that fight. The White House enjoys that fight because, again, their goal is to portray everybody who's on the other side of the aisle as a rioter. Right? It's, it's tied up in a broader narrative that they have generated, which is that not only. Was everyone there that day a rioter? All the ralliers were essentially rioters, even if they weren't. And all the Republicans who voted for Trump were essentially ralliers who were also rioters. And so by the transitive property, everybody who voted for Donald Trump was in favor of rioting. Now, if it turns out that a fraction of the ralliers were rioters and that a fraction of the rioters were the ones who were like the most violent and that many of the people who were rioting were actually just trespassing. Well, then that kind of breaks down the narrative. This was a dire threat to the Republican that the entire democracy was in danger. And the only way to protect democracy from the predations of Donald Trump and his crew is to elect Joe Biden and allow them untrammeled power. That narrative starts to fall apart. The smaller those numbers get. And that's why people are so angry at Tucker for having revealed that footage in the first place. Again, you can disagree with the angle that Tucker took on, on the footage. I disagree with a lot of the angle that Tucker took on the footage. But that doesn't change the underlying fact, which is that the Generalized narrative that January 6th was, as the White House suggested, the worst attack on democracy since the Civil War is not true. And it's very hard to maintain that perspective in light of the footage of people like walking down cordoned lines through the halls of the Capitol building with police officers standing on either side in some cases. We'll get to the media response, which has been just overwrought in the extreme in just one second. First, it's tough to maintain a healthy lifestyle. You know, the, the reality is that you have a busy day and then you're being told that you need to eat basically nothing but fruits and vegetables. And I'm of the personal belief that God's punishment to humanity was making vegetables healthy because in the reality is they taste like garbage. So what exactly are people like me, people with a child's palate, supposed to do? What are, what are, what are we supposed to do when we want to have stuff that tastes good? And, and also we want to be healthy. Well, one answer is balance of nature. Balance of nature, fruits and veggies are the best way to make sure that you're getting essential nutritional ingredients every single day. Their products are 100% whole food. Balance of Nature uses a cold vacuum process that preserves the natural phytonutrients in whole fruits and vegetables and encapsulates them for easy consumption. Balance of Nature sent a bunch of their product down to the studio for my team to try. We love them. I was excited to find out that they are kosher so I can use them myself. Go to balanceofnature.com. Use promo code Shapiro for 35% off your first order as a preferred customer. That's balanceofnature.com. Promo code Shapiro for 35% off your first preferred order. Again, balanceofnature.com. Promo code Shapiro and get that great deal. 35% off your first preferred order. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, we all know the first thing we do when we get home from work is change out of those work clothes and jump into loungewear. Well, luckily for me, I have Tommy John to come home to as I slip into my Tommy John loungewear set. I'm immediately enveloped in a cocoon of supreme softness and unparalleled comfort. Not only is their loungewear cozy enough to use as sleepwear, well, if I have to walk to the park with my kids, I don't look like a schlub. And guys, you might be wondering how these things can get any better. Their underwear, Tommy John's best pair lover wearer's free guarantee protects your most valuable asset. So what exactly are you waiting for? Try Tommy John today. You can thank me later. For silky soft comfort with sophisticated style, check out Tommy John's luxurious second skin limited edition colors right now at TommyJohn.com slash Ben. They're going fast, so hurry to TommyJohn.com slash Ben. Okay, so members of the media, of course, because Democrat media complex exists, they they are going full bore against Tucker. Of course, they, they've disliked Tucker for a long time. That's not a shock. But... The amount of vitriol that they are now unleashing is truly wild. It's truly kind of insane. So Whoopi Goldberg, who is, again, one of the least smart people in American public life, she suggested that the U.S. government should actually investigate Fox News over Tucker Carlson's broadcasts. How come this is not thought of as being... Recruiting. How come they're not thinking about like this as radicalizing? radicalizing? Why isn't why
1: is, why is this not being scrutinized the way that they scrutinize other
0: yeah uh, things? It- because to me, this is this should be against the law. You should not be able yeah. to
2: lay to lie to the American knowingly.
0: Um, what? I'm um, what? Uh, so it, it should be against the law for Tucker to broadcast what he broadcast. I wonder how Whoopi would feel about that if Donald Trump were president. Should be, again. I mean, right now, the left is lying and maintaining that Ron DeSantis is violating First Amendment freedoms in Florida. He's not. But at the same time, they're going out and suggesting that Tucker Carlson should be literally jailed, presumably, for the kinds of broadcasts that he is doing. Who's the threat to democracy again? Is it, is it Tucker? Is Tucker the threat to democracy here? Or is it more people like Whoopi who are more than happy to unleash the authoritarianism so long as it targets their political opponents? Meanwhile, you have Jon Stewart who, uh, whatever talent he had has been washed out. I mean, he himself looks like he's gone through a dishwasher a few times. And, and whatever talent Stuart has is, is now gone. Uh, he's become basically in a somewhat elderly gentleman ranting at, uh, at things he doesn't like without any of the wry humor that used to characterize his message. And his substitute for humor, because this is the laziest form of humor, is just dirty talk, right? I mean, the, the, so this is, the, when you're a lazy comedian, you have to rely a lot on curse words, on sexual imagery. Like, good comedians don't have to do that. But Jon Stewart is no longer a good comedian, and so you have to rely purely on shock value. So he's going to do that in, in criticizing Fox News and Tucker. With the Dominion scandal, I mean, is that is that a defamation? I mean, Correct. to say, right, so that's why this stuff's coming out. That's right.
1: It's the only reason why it's coming out. Yeah. And it's the only reason why, and they were so comfortable with the idea that None of their private communications would ever come out, which is why it's so explicit. To the yeah. point of saying these people are crazy with the stolen election narrative and the ways that they think it's stolen. They're crazy. But if we say that, we'll lose our audience. It's a fascinating look at at, at just sort of like, you know, the Ouroboros, mm-hmm. we call it the snake sucking its own <laughs> Like America has become a snake sucking its own
0: Wow. Deep boards there from, from John Stewart, who, by the way, is part of the media problem in the first place. You'll recall that John Stewart, one of his great claims to fame is that very early in the 2000s, there used to be a show on CNN. It was called Crossfire and it included Tucker Carlson on one side and Paul Begala on the other. It was actually a pretty good show in which they would go at every political topic every day. And it was actually really interesting. It's when CNN used to allow opposing points of view on the air. And John Stewart came from Comedy Central, where he did what what I would say is one of the ugliest political shows in modern American history because his his show was, I will show a clip out of context and then I'll make a face. And he never made an argument. He never attempted to rebut an argument. He didn't actually bring data. It was just make a face. And that has become John Oliver. That's become Stephen Colbert. It's become pretty much all of late night. It's become the model for an enormous amount of news coverage and media coverage instead of actual, you know, politics. And he went on crossfire and he said, you guys are bad for America. The answer was John Stewart was actually quite bad for America because he reduced essentially all political conversation to a series of face memes. But John Stewart is now suggesting that America is an Ouroboros. Uh, and by the way, just for the record, an Ouroboros is a snake that is eating its own tail. Uh, I don't know what in the world he's talking about or why, why it necessitates him talking about, um, about snake genitalia. But there you have it. Jon Stewart, great intellectual of our times. His, uh, his former deputy, Stephen Colbert, is doing the same exact thing. Again, he's got nothing. So he's going to go direct to shock value with regard to Tucker.
1: Thanks in large part to the former president. There's a whole industry of people who make a good living trying to make you think you're insane. Well, I make a very good living reminding you that you're not. Now, you'd think, you would think, you'd think that once the people gaslighting you on a daily basis have been revealed to be liars, say, in multiple text messages in a $1.6 billion court filing by Dominion Voting Systems, they would pump the brakes. But apparently some people are just addicted to being <laughs> <laughs> case in point, Fox News host and and toddler sucking on a dog turd, Tucker Carlson.
0: Oh, wow, that, that's a high levels of humor there. Tucker is a toddler sucking on a dog turd, according to Stephen Colbert. And, and Stephen Colbert would never provide you any misinformation. Stephen Colbert is just there to remind you what you're saying he's, he's the voice of common sense is uh, elite New Yorker, Stephen Colbert, is just mm -hmm, perfect, perfect stuff. And what Tucker did is he put footage that you had not seen on TV. That's what they're angry at. That's what they're angry at. They can say it's about the angle. It's not really about the angle. It's that some of the narratives that they have been promoting, in fact, the biggest narrative they've been promoting over the course of the last three years, which is that American democracy is under unbridled attack from the right and that authoritarianism is there and that the images were on your TV on January 6th of authoritarianism in action. And that was a real threat to democracy. When, when that sort of thing starts to look a little more dicey, then they get really, really mad. Now, in just a second, I want to get to how Republicans can overplay their hand on this thing, because they obviously can. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, let's talk about what you do in case of emergencies. So let's say that there is a supply chain breakdown, or let's say that there is a hurricane in the area where I live. Well, one of the things you can't do is get to the local CVS to get the medications you need. Jace Medical makes sure that you can. Not only that, Jace Medical is now providing you with a free ebook. That every family needs in their emergency preparedness kit. The may maybe a five-minute read. You should download it, you should save it. So you have it when you need it. The guide provides valuable information regarding emergency wound care, proper first aid, how to safely use antibiotics when necessary. Jace Medical is they're doing a great job making sure that you have access to the medications you need in case you can't actually get somewhere because of an emergency. Get their free ebook today at jasemedical.com forward slash Ben. It's J-A-S-E-Medical.com forward slash Ben. My family has the Jace Case, which is a set of five antibiotics that pretty much every family should have in an emergency. You can do the exact same thing. You talk to a licensed physician, and then they can prescribe it to you. You go get it, and now you have it in your house ready to go. Get their free ebook today, which will help you with emergency preparedness at jacemedical.com forward slash Ben. That's jacemedical.com forward slash Ben. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, you may have noticed we're experiencing a ton of global instability as primary season continues. How are you protecting your family in the midst of all of this chaos and nonsense? The fact is, there is one asset that has withstood famine, war, political and economic upheaval, dating all the way back to biblical times. That, of course, would be gold. It's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold can help you create a well-thought-out, balanced investment strategy that'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold without paying a penny out of pocket. Diversify into gold today. Just text BEN to 989898 for a free info kit. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to check out Birch Gold today. Text Ben to 989898. Claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Smart investors diversify. And when you look at the pace of inflation over the past several years, you can see financial instability is the new way of the world. Text Ben to 989898 98 98 to get started with Birch Gold today. Text Ben to 989898 and talk to my friends over at Birch Gold. Hey, so with all of this said, all the attacks on Tucker Carlson... Obviously, politically motivated, obviously. Well, one of the things that Republicans can do is overplay their hand here. The incentives are misaligned for both Democrats and Republicans. They're misaligned for Democrats in the sense that they are so tied into the democracy in danger narrative that they are now attacking freedom of the press in order to preserve the democracy is in danger narrative, which is really self-defeating. And on the right, the incentives are misaligned in that people are going to overplay their hand. They're going to suggest that it's not that there was footage we didn't see, that seems to be somewhat exculpatory of some of the people who may be prosecuted in January 6th, right? Like their defense lawyers should now have access to all of that stuff. One of the defense lawyers was on with Tucker last night and suggested he did not have access to all of this tape, which you know, that's going to be a legal filing like right away. But you know, it's not enough to just claim that now it's going to turn into everybody involved in January 6th was was good. Everybody involved in January 6th didn't commit a crime. January 6th was actually just a mostly peaceful protest in BLM fashion. It was not a mostly peaceful protest. It was a riot. And some of the people who were there were not engaging in the actual violent activity. But if Republicans overplay their hand, and again, a lot of the base is angry about this, and I get the the anger about it. I get the upset. I get the feeling that you were lied to. I'm, I'm there for a lot of that. But what I'm not there for is the next two years, again, being a referendum on January 6th. We did this in 2022, and it didn't go amazing. It didn't go amazing because it turns out that most Americans already have an idea of what January 6th was, and they don't want to talk about it anymore. They don't actually think that it is the key issue in American life. And if either side makes it the key issue in 2024, that is going to be a problem for the American people. So, for example, when you see House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer or Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene saying their aides are working to set up a congressional delegation to visit individuals jailed on January 6th, the question is, which individuals and who are you talking to and what's the plan? Or is it mainly a photo op that's going to allow the newspapers to suggest that you are in solidarity with some of the actual violent rioters on January 6th, which, of course, is exactly what the newspapers would like to do. So politics requires a little bit of what we would call in, in Hebrew, requires a little bit of common sense, right? You, you actually have to use your head a little bit and figure out, be meticulous in the things that you are taking on as opposed to sort of broad based blunderbuss attacks if you are running for re election in 2024 and you're attempting to oust the Democrats who did not provide this footage in the first place from office. Okay, meanwhile, International Women's Day was, was yesterday. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about International Women's Day, mainly because it's the only day of the year where we celebrate women. It's the only day of the year where anybody even knows that women exist, apparently. That's why we need an International Women's Day. Remember International Men's Day? I don't. But that means, I guess, that International Women's Day is one day a year. And the other 364 days, gentlemen, those are ours. In any case, yesterday was International Women's Day. And in celebration of International Women's Day, the left had themselves just a day for the ages. It began with Dr. Jill Biden, the second female president of the United States after Edith Wilson and the greatest doctor in America. She is, is, it goes, again, in in terms of great doctors in American history, it goes like Dr. J, Dr. Jill, Jonas Salk, and sometimes Anthony Fauci is at the very top if you're on the left, because he's the greatest doctor. He's the best. Anyway, Jill Biden was giving awards for International Women's Day. And there ain't nothing... No, there ain't no international woman quite like a dude. All the best ladies are men these days. And so on International Women's Day, Jill Biden gave the International Women of Courage Award to a man. Uh, this, this man's name is Alba Rueda. That is a man who identifies as a woman. He is the um, special envoy for sexual orientation and gender identity in Argentina. And the country's first trans-identifying politician to hold a senior governmental position. According to the State Department, Daily Wire reports, the award is meant for, quote, extraordinary women from around the world who are working to build a brighter future for all. Now, this is, in fact, an extraordinary woman. She's extraordinary, by which I mean she is a he. Rueda is a transgender activist and has long pushed woke politics in Argentina, which includes the Transgender Labor Quota Act, which would require 1% of all public sector jobs in the entire nation to be staffed by people who identify as transgender. Well, good luck with, with that one. That's going to go amazing in, like, the the firefighting industry. Reda also served as Argentina's Undersecretary for Diversity Policies in the Ministry of Women, Gender, and Diversity, as well as founding the group Argentina Trans Women. The diplomat has also campaigned to change the name of the National Women's Conference to the Plurinational Conference of Women and Lesbian Crossdresser, Transsexual, Bisexual, Intersex, and Non-Binary Persons, which is rather unwieldy. I mean, I feel like that's a little longer. I don't even know what uh, what the acronym there would be. Here was a little bit of the award ceremony for um, a man.
2: In Argentina, Alba Ruada is a transgender woman who was kicked out of classrooms, barred for sitting for exams, refused job opportunities, subjected to violence and rejected by her oh, family. Oh, Dr. Jill is so but happy. But in the face of these challenges, she worked to end violence and discrimination against the LGBTQ. community
0: Yeah. So much international courage. Wow, just insane levels of international courage for the women who are not, in fact, women. So much going on on International Women's Day. It's, again, it's one of the most exciting days of the year for pretty much no one, but we all have to, it's one of those things where we're all supposed to pretend. We all wear the ribbon, right? It's International Women's Day, so we all must, like, like Kramer in Seinfeld, if you don't wear the International Women's Day ribbon, it's because you hate women. Don't you, don't you? We'll get to the discussion on The View about international women in just one second, because again, the view is a repository of, of all stupidity in the universe, apparently. First, if if International Women's Day and um, you know the way the left treats it, it makes you want to die a little bit inside, well, perhaps while you're on the subject of death, you should get yourself some life insurance. A simple fact of the matter is we're all going to plot. And when we do, we got to make sure that our families are taken care of. It is the responsible thing to do. So head on over to Policy Genius. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from top companies and find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just twenty-five bucks per month for one million dollars of coverage. Some options offer coverage in as little as a week and avoid those unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius's licensed agents can help you find coverage options in as little as a week. They work for you, not the insurance companies. That means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can actually trust their guidance. No added fees. Your personal information remains private. Your loved ones deserve a financial safety net, and you deserve a smarter way to find and buy it. Again, Policy Genius makes the magic happen for you. Make sure your family is taken care of in case God forbid something were to happen to you. Head on over to policygenius.com slash Shapiro or click the link in the description get your free life insurance quotes. See how much you could say. That's policygenius.com slash Shapiro, policygenius.com slash Shapiro. Okay, so in celebration of International Women's Day, The View kicked off International Women's Day by doing what they do best, attacking the Catholic Church. Yes, Whoopi Goldberg, when she is not declaring that uh, Jews are white people, so when they're slaughtered by the Nazis, that's not actual racism, she's attacking the Catholic Church on International Women's Day
2: welcome to the view
0: so the view today is international Women's day and the pope you know recently said equal opportunities for women are the key to a better world oh really and yeah well yeah where are the female
1: priests listen did i write this for him did i write this this is what he
2: said i'm only
0: where are the female priests do you mean nuns? Are you referring to nuns, Joy? <laughs> it's like these morons. Oh my God. <laughs> now, the cackling hyena-like laughter over at the view. Good good, good times. Good times. The Pope said that uh, gotta rip on the Pope. By the way, he's guys, he's your Pope. Okay, let's let's be real about this. The Pope is on the left. The Pope loves all your social values, and you guys are like ripping on him. Oh, goodness gracious. Anyway, one thing that I will note here is that um, the the same people who are decrying the Catholic Church, and religion generally as repressive to women, they, they seem to ignore the fact that women are less happy now than they were in the 1970s. By all available polling data, women now, freer, more involved in the economy, more liberated, significantly less happy. Maybe it's because many of the traditional mores of society were quite good for women. And, uh, and it turns out that women are still lagging. According to the Washington Post, quote, more women than ever are single. A new report says, and that has significant implications for the U.S. economy. That might actually have significant implications for, you know, women themselves. Forget about the economy. If more women are single than ever, just going to put it out there. People don't like being single. All the, all these sort of TV shows rooted in the idea that being single is wonderful and lovely. Not by poll data, it ain't People who are single are significantly less happy than people who are married. And yet we are a society that promotes singlehood and denigrates marriage and suggests that traditional institutions are bad and suggests that women... Are essentially doing themselves a grave injustice if they have children at a young age, and instead, what they really should do is they should slave away at 2,200 billable hours a year as an associate at a law firm until they're about 40, beyond their prime, and then try IVF. And then we're really, like, uh, that—that's what an international woman's all about, man—is—is is turning women into basically androgynous, androgynous caricatures of of. Effeminate men. That's that, that. that is what that is what the left would like. That is what that is what the secularist left would like. Apparently, is you take away the thing that makes women most women, i.e., I- getting married and having children, you take those things away from them, and then that will make them the happiest they have ever been. There's only one problem: there is no data to support that anywhere, anywhere on earth. That is not correct. It just does not exist that way. Okay, the fact of the matter is that married women are happier than single women. Women with kids generally are happier than women who don't have kids. And if you see the number of women who are now hitting the age beyond which they can normally get pregnant and looking around and saying, oh, I made some bad decisions over the course of the last 20 years, thanks to the feminist movement. Again, you guys turned yourself into it's so funny, all the same people who celebrate International Women's Day and then decry on International Women's Day that women are being paid less in the workplace. Also hate the capitalist system that they are feeding, that they are feeding by essentially suggesting that all value ought to be measured in terms of a woman's economic power outside the home. According to The Washington Post, single women who are postponing marriage or foregoing it altogether are a growing economic force, accounting for a larger share of growth in the job market, home ownership, and college degrees, according to an analysis of federal data. But while decades of changing norms around marriage and work have empowered women to carve their own paths, a stubborn wage gap continues to keep many women, especially single mothers, from enjoying the same economic gains as single men and married couples. Well, hold up. Single mothers are not the same thing as single men and married couples, I notice because single mothers have children. And if they're not inside of a married couple, it turns out that uh, they have to split their time. Marriage, again, you undermine all the fundamental institutions of society. And on International Women's Day, you're like deriding religion the way the, the view is. And then you wonder why, why people are having a rough time. But what is International Women's Day really about for the media? For the media, the women's, International Women's Day is about suggesting that women still are not being provided equality of rights in the United States. And so we have a bevy of left-wing kind of Aspects of, the, of this particular argument that made themselves present yesterday. You have an article in the New York Times called more black women run for office, but prospects fade the higher they go. By the way, that is true of literally everyone. Lots of white dudes run for office. Their prospects fade also the higher they go because there are fewer positions to fill. The current vice president of the United States is the vice president only because she is a black woman. She has no other qualifications that would make her appropriate for the office. There were a bunch of other female senators who were better than she was. There were some black senators who were better than she was. And, but she was the only black female who was on the list and they needed a black female, so it was Kamala Harris. She was the one who it was going to be. Really amazing stuff from the, uh, from the New York Times. Again, International Women's Day, black women hit hardest. Meanwhile, Corey Bush suggesting that um, the, the vicissitudes of life always and forever hit Black, brown, women hardest. There's a famous New York Times faux headline, end of world coming. Blacks and minorities hit hardest. Women and minorities hit hardest. That, that is essentially the, the platform of the Democratic Party at this point.
1: You described that the price increases had a disproportionate effect on black, brown, and low-income communities uh, families. How did the administration's actions and the, ensuring, the ensuing uh, drop in gas prices, how did it help those same families? And while there are a number of factors that affect the price of oil, in an interview uh, with Oxford, I believe, uh, Dr. B did concede that uh, the strategic use of uh, SPR did have an impact. Uh, It's hard to quantify and hard to tell, but it definitely had an impact in the price of oil.
0: Always, always inequity, inequity. Whenever we celebrate a day, remember, it's not about celebrating the day. It's about ripping the system because the system is mean to people, apparently. By the way, I do enjoy people like Cori Bush talking about economics when she knows nothing about economics. The best economic clip of the day yesterday actually came courtesy of her fellow member of the squad and um, and card-carrying anti-Semite Rashida Talib, the representative from Michigan. She was talking about the economy and she was trying to explain to the Federal Reserve chairman um, about how the economy works. It didn't go amazing.
2: Does that corporate profiteering does impact inflation? Do You, you don't have any stats of percentage-wise how much of it yeah. Because you seem, you know, I, I, play, I, I really paid attention to your testimony in the Senate. I don't know if the feds is paying closer attention to monopolies, corporate, you know, corporate profiteering and executive egregious pay, all of it. Even the side buybacks, you're saying all of that aside, you're focused more on wages and increasing the interest rate than on those other.
1: Our focus Major. is really on on price she stability, doesn't even know not, what the hell not so much about. wages. W- wages play into that because they're an important cost for business, but they're not. We're not we're not trying to achieve a, a particular level of wages. We're trying to achieve two percent inflation.
0: She's like, why doesn't the Federal Reserve focus on CEO pay? Because that's literally not their job. That's not what the Federal Reserve does, lady. Hey, just uh, amazing stuff there from um, from Rashida Talib. These are we're, we're sending our best to Congress as always and forever. Meanwhile, if you want to talk about actual inequities in American life, you know, things that actually affect how people live, how about crime levels? Crime levels do not descend on the American people in equitable fashion, as the left might have it. And they, they affect certain areas significantly more than other areas, and those areas happen to be, generally, black and brown areas. There are higher crime rates in many black and brown areas than there are in white areas overall. That'd be a problem. The solution to that problem is more cops. The solution to that problem is more policing. And yet the left is very much focused on the idea that if, There is a problem that exists disproportionately in a minority community that can't be solved by, you know, stopping the problem. It can only be solved by dissolving the system in general and then blaming the system for the problem in the first place. This is something that has been taken up now by the Biden administration. there is a game that left wing administrations like to play police departments all over the United States. Here's the game. They they say, what we will do is we'll go and we'll investigate your police department. We'll look at all the problems your police department has had over the course of the last five years. You can do this with literally any police department because the truth is you can do this with pretty much any institution, any institution or business. If you put a microscope on it, it's going to look pretty ugly. There are all sorts of problems inside every institution, business, corporate, financial, media, police, firefighters, anywhere. You put a microscope on it because human beings are flawed and human beings do dumb and bad things. Right? That, that is just a reality. So what left-wing administrations do is what they will do is they will go to a police department, a police department that has been tasked with policing a particularly violent area, for example. And then they will put a microscope on it. They will look at all of the problems that have existed there. And then they will cram down a consent decree that prevents policing from happening. And then the crime rates increase. This has happened consistently since 2014. Roland Fryer of Harvard, he did a study. And what he showed is that in areas that had high profile police encounters with suspects, like Michael Brown in Ferguson, what ended up happening after the federal scrutiny And after the national media scrutiny is that the crime rates went up dramatically. Things got way worse for people in that area. Because again, if you put focus on the flaws of the system and then you try to dissolve the system, what you end up doing is dissolving the system. And in the aftermath of the system, things get way worse. Well, now the Justice Department is doing this in Louisville, Kentucky. So in the aftermath of the shooting of Breonna Taylor, and again, that was miscovered by the media because the media just picked up whatever the narrative was that was being spun out by Breonna Taylor's family. And by people who were suing the, the Louisville Police Department, the, the real facts on the ground are in dispute. But the police officers, one of whom was shot, and who actually wrote a book for DW Books, talking about what exactly happened that night, according to him, they did, in fact, knock. They did announce themselves. Brianna Taylor's boyfriend shot the gun through the door, wounding the police officer. They shot back at him. And unfortunately, Breonna Taylor was killed in the crossfire. And that That is not how the media portrayed that particular situation. But this served as sort of the point of the spear for the Justice Department. So now the Justice Department is doing a report on the Louisville Metro Police Department. And the New York Times, predictively, says investigators paint a grim portrait of the Louisville Metro Police Department detailing a variety of serious, at times shocking, misconduct. They included the use of excessive force, searches based on invalid and so-called no-knock warrants, unlawful car stops, detentions, and harassment of people during street sweeps, and broad patterns of discrimination against black people and those with behavioral health problems. Now, Again, typically when they say that there is a broad pattern of dis- disproportionate behavior, they usually don't have the granular data necessary to actually suggest that the disparity equals discrimination. In other words, what they will say is more black people were stopped on the street than white people were stopped as a percentage of the population. That doesn't explain what the behavior was of everybody who was involved in those particular stops. It doesn't involve any of the factors that the police took into account. But assume for a second there was some bad behavior inside the Louisville Police Department, which, which it appears there was. okay. Does that mean that the solution is going to be a consent decree from the DOJ on the Louisville Police Department that hampers their ability to enforce the law? Because that's exactly what's going to happen next. Uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland, he, uh, he is now suggesting that the Breonna Taylor police officers violated the Civil Rights Act. Again, this is all predicate to cracking down on police departments. And then the crime rates go up. And they're like, we don't know why the crime rates are going up. How could this be? Well, it's because of you. It's because of you guys.
1: Members of the place based investigations unit falsified the affidavit used to obtain the search warrant of Ms. Taylor's home, that this act violated federal civil rights laws, and that those violations resulted in Ms. Taylor's death. Specifically, we allege that Ms. Taylor's Fourth Amendment rights were violated when defendants Joshua Janes, Kyle Meany, and Kelly Goodlett sought a warrant to search Ms. Taylor's home knowing that the officers lacked probable cause for the search.
0: Okay, so again, the final outcome of this—put aside every specific allegation. Assume all the specific allegations are true, and that the police officers involved in any of these things should be prosecuted to the fullest measure of the law if they have violated the law. Assume all of that. The outcome of this is going to be a consent decree from the federal government on the Louisville Police Department that will end with a higher rate of crime. That's just how this is going to go, and then we'll hear more complaints because the complaints will be look at look at all the inequities, look at look at the inequality and the inequity. It is worth noting at this point that Louisville is one of the most violent areas in America, and so. Take away the cops and you will see what happens next, which, by the way, is exactly what's also going to happen in Washington, D.C. Yesterday, the D.C. police chief said, you know, what would be great is uh, we could actually keep the crime down if we kept our criminals in jail. But the political forces have decided that it's inequitable to do so.
1: What we got to do, if we really want to see homicides go down, is keep bad guys with guns in jail. Because when they're in jail, they can't be in community shooting people. So when people talk about what we're going to do different or what we should do different, what we need to do different, that's the thing that we need to do different. We need to keep violent people in jail. Right now, the average homicide suspect, the average homicide suspect has been arrested 11 times prior to them committing a homicide. That is a problem.
0: Guess what? Consent decrees on police departments aren't going to end the crime problems. And if you're voting Democrat and you're in a major city, maybe you should consider the fact that the reason that your life is not better is because of political people who are attempting to, quote unquote, tear down the very systems that are designed to protect you, even if those systems are abused by some of the people in power because all authority is eventually abused by someone. In just a second, we're going to get to the abuse of authority by Joe Biden with regard to his presiding over documents. More documents discovered on Joe Biden. We'll get to that in a moment first. If you own a business, the past few years have been a pretty bumpy ride. You could probably use a break. Innovation refunds can help. If your business has five or more employees and managed to survive COVID, you could be eligible to receive a payroll tax rebate of up to 26 grand per employee. It's not a loan. There's no payback. It is a refund on your taxes. The challenge is how do you get your hands on it? Well, you head on over to GetRefunds.com. Their team of tax attorneys are highly trained in a little-known payroll tax refund program. They've already returned a billion dollars to businesses, and they can help you as well. They do all the work, no charge up front, simply share a percentage of the cash they get for you. Businesses of all types can qualify, including those who took PPP, nonprofits, even those who had increases in sales. Just head over to GetRefunds.com, click on Qualify Me, answer a few quick questions. This payroll tax refund is only available for a limited amount of time, so don't miss out. Go to GetRefunds.com. Again, that's GetRefunds.com. Head on over to GetRefunds.com. If your business has gone through it over the past few years and probably has, why wouldn't you try to claw back some of the money that you paid into the government you didn't need to pay in? It's a payroll tax refund only available for a limited amount of time. Go check it out right now. GetRefunds.com. Again, that is GetRefunds.com. Also, The Daily Wire is now looking for a creative resource manager to join our growing team. We're seeking a highly organized and communicative individual with experience managing creative teams. This person is going to work closely with our executive creative director, project managers, and content strategists to efficiently complete projects. We'll also develop processes to encourage efficiency and productivity. So if you're a passionate self-starter and thrive in a fast-paced environment, apply on our careers page today and check out all of our jobs at dailywire.com slash Ben. Click careers for more information and to apply. That's dailywire.com slash Ben today. Well, meanwhile, we have some bad news for Joe Biden, who is the husband of the president of the United States. If you recall him, he's the, he's the old man that they sometimes trot out and he tries not to stumble. And then he occasionally does. Stumble. By the way, our entire geriatric class is, um, in fact, quite old. Mitch McConnell is now in the hospital after having tripped and fallen. That is because literally everyone in the leadership position in our nation is above the age of 75, which uh, does not speak well of the future of the country, I would say. In any case, the Washington Free Beacon reports that the National Archives in November retrieved nine boxes of documents from the Boston office of Joe Biden's lawyer, The National Archives has not yet reviewed the documents to determine whether there is any classified material in them. But um, they did, in fact, go and pick up a bunch of documents from Joe Biden's lawyer. So once again, Captain, it's irresponsible to keep classified documents anywhere in your orbit. Uh, There are more boxes of documents that the National Archives is now going through. Meanwhile, Joe Biden remains under fire over the fact that drug cartels essentially control large swaths of the territory surrounding our southern border, according to The Hill, the kidnapping in Mexico this week of four U.S. citizens left two of them dead has renewed the focus on the politically charged issue of southern border security and prompted calls from some lawmakers for the Biden administration to more seriously crack down on the cartels. Biden administration officials called the killings unacceptable, potentially escalating tensions around the already fraught issues of border security and U.S.-Mexico relations as authorities work to learn more about the circumstances of that particular incident. John Kirby tutted this a little bit earlier this week. He said attacks on US citizens are unacceptable. We're gonna work closely with the Mexican government to make sure justice is done in this particular case. Now, there are other Republicans who are suggesting that, you know what, if you can't protect Americans, if the Mexican government can't do it, then the US government should probably do it. Lindsey Graham, senator from South Carolina, he says that the US should actually label the drug cartels international terrorist organizations, which would allow us to help cut off more of their money, presumably.
2: We're not doing enough about it. So schedule one is the highest level you can put a drug on in terms of punishment. Fentanyl is due to come off that schedule at the end of the year. That's ridiculous. So we're going to keep it on schedule one, but I want to do more than that. The drug cartels that are sending this poison into our country need to be considered terrorist organization. The law enforcement model is not working. This is not working. So we need to take a different approach. Let's call these drug cartels terrorists because they're terrorizing in America and go after them with a different model.
0: Okay, presumably that different model would involve a few hellfire missiles, a few well-placed hellfire missiles. That's something that Senator Tom Cotton from Arkansas is also recommending, which is, you know, if we know where the drug cartels are, we know who their heads are. And they keep victimizing Americans and sending, you know, tons of fentanyl over the border to kill Americans. And perhaps we should just, you know, kill them
1: if isis and al-qaeda had set up shop in juarez or monterey or tijuana what would you expect your government to do if they were killing hundred thousand americans a year and whatever that is that's exactly what we should do to them in mexico with or without the mexican government we have a long history of our military protecting us from these threats from drug traffickers and narco terrorists it's well known they were present a few years back when el chapo was arrested in mexico if the mexican government will not or cannot stop these cartels from killing hundreds of thousands of Americans, then America should.
0: Okay, he is not wrong about this. The fact of the matter is that Mexico is on the verge of being, if it is not already, a failed state. And if they can't control what's happening at our border, we have to control what's happening at our border. Meanwhile, the FBI director, Chris Wray, even he is admitting the federal government can't even keep tabs on the illegal immigrants who are entering the country right now. That Basically, once we let them free, they just disappear into the interior.
1: We're not able to keep tabs on every single person who comes in, certainly. We have all sorts of investigations
0: into certain people uh, who get in and we try to work very hard on both sides of the border to prevent, to support uh, DHS's efforts and and to some extent our neighbors south of the border from preventing them from coming in. Again, one of the great aspects of modern society is that the quote-unquote experts are given extraordinary authority over our lives to protect us. And then they do an unbelievably crappy job Doing so, it turns out that what government typically is pretty good at is taking your money and also killing people and breaking things. That's pretty much that. That's almost the entire spectrum of what the American government is good at. And so, if it doesn't fall into one of those baskets, then probably you're not going to be very good at it. Speaking of which, you know, the expert class who have demanded tremendous power from us and then deceived us with that power. Yesterday, there was a major hearing on the Hill over the COVID lab leak theory. It was a House panel charged with investigating the origins of the pandemic. The New York Times reported that the former director of the CDC accused top federal health officials of excluding him from discussions in early 2020 about whether COVID was the result of a lab leak. This would be CDC director, former CDC director Robert Redfield. You'll recognize him from your TV during the pandemic. And Robert Redfield says fully out, yeah, absolutely, tax dollars funded gain-of-function research, an assertion that, of course, Anthony Fauci had openly denied in testimony with Rand Paul. Dr. Fauci was affirmatively told in an email that uh, NIAID had a monetary relationship with the Wuhan uh, Institute through uh, EcoHealth Alliance. He he was told this in January 27th of 2020. Do you think that Dr. Fauci intentionally lied under oath to Senator Paul when he vehemently denied NIH's funding of -of gain-of-function research?
1: I think there's no doubt that NIH was funding gain-of-function research.
0: Is it likely that American tax dollars funded the gain-of-function research that created this virus?
1: I think it did not only from
0: NIH, but from the State Department, USAID, and from DOD. Okay, that is an extraordinary contention by Dr. Redfield It's not gonna receive virtually any mainstream television coverage. Because again, what he is now asserting is that gain-of-function research funded by the NIH under the auspices of Dr. Anthony Fauci was sending money via EcoHealth Alliance, which of course has long been suspected, sending money to the Wuhan Institute of Virology for gain-of-function research and that kind of gain-of-function research. As Dr. Rand Paul suggested, from the floor of the Senate, in which Dr. Anthony Fauci denied. And he's now saying that he thinks that Fauci perjured himself because he was under oath. That that, that essentially, that money was used to develop gain-of-function research that ended with COVID escaping a lab and killing 7 million people. Uh, that, that is what Redfield, again, the former CDC head, who was in the government at the same time, he also asserted, did Redfield, and this is kind of an amazing story as well, that on February 1st, it was pretty clear that the lab leak theory was not crazy. By February 4th, a strategy had been formulated by Fauci and others, including a couple of scientists to trot out papers suggesting the lab leak theory was totally crazy and that he had been cut out of all of those phone calls. He said that, that he was cut out of those phone calls. He doesn't know why he was cut out of those phone calls. He is not aware of any information that would have made the lab leak crazy between like February 1st and February 4th of 2020. Redfield said that he did not find out about the call until much later when those emails became public. Those would be emails between Fauci and other scientists, including Francis Collins, who led the NIH. Again, there was a call with various scientists who had suggested that lab leak leakage was, was actually the problem here. The messages do not refer to or name Redfield. He told lawmakers when he learned of them, he concluded Fauci and Collins had intentionally excluded him because he believed in the lab leak theory. He said, I was told, it was told to me they wanted a single narrative, and I had an obviously different point of view. Here is Redfield saying the public health officials packaged the message so that it said what they wanted it to say.
1: We've got to tell the truth. When you don't tell the truth, you've got a problem. And I think if you go back, there were many times when public health officials packaged the message to what they wanted to say, but it wasn't necessarily truthful. The second thing, you have to have the courage when you're a public health official to say, I don't know, when you don't know.
0: That is amazing. That is amazing. I mean, he is saying it was was lab leak one, two, we probably funded it, three. Dr. Fauci lied about it, and four, Dr. Fauci held a phone call with other scientists in order to discard the lab leak theory entirely. I mean, he is now opening the door wide, is is Redfield, to the possibility of what, again, Dr. Paul, Senator Paul had suggested, which is a perjury charge against Anthony Fauci. And man, would that be uh, an extraordinary event in American political life? And frankly, there should be consequences to lying to the American people or attempting to cover your ass while even the highest paid employee at the federal government for years and years and years, as, as Dr. Anthony Fauci apparently was. And meanwhile, Joe Biden is planning to lay out his budget blueprint today. He's going to recommend funding levels for programs across the federal government. Of course, the, the budget is not going to be passed this way, but his proposed budget is extraordinarily large, of course. He keeps saying that he's reducing the deficit, which, as I've said before, is the stupidest crap ever. Basically, what he is saying is that because the deficit ran to the highest levels in recorded history in 2020, and then it was slightly lower than that in 2021, that he has lowered the deficit in 2022 and 2023 by spending heretofore unheard of amounts of money. The budget request apparently is $5.8 trillion. I remember when a $4 trillion budget was considered extraordinarily big. Now we are talking about a budget 50% larger than that. According to the Wall Street Journal, most of the money the federal government spends in a year is already mandatory. That includes Social Security. Some is made up of interest payments on the federal debt. That's gotten a lot more costly because, of course, the interest rates have been rising. One of the things that is pushed in favor of lower interest rates by the Federal Reserve has been the idea that when we take out debt, we want to pay back that debt at 2%. We don't want to pay it back at 7%. So every time those interest rates increase, the federal government is going to tax you to pay for that is pretty much the way that that goes or borrowed to pay off its other bills. So what exactly are the priorities? Well, apparently he says he wants to lower the deficit by $2 trillion over 10 years and extend the solvency of the Medicare trust fund by at least two decades. How's he going to do that? He said he's going to do that without cutting Social Security or Medicare. And he's going to raise taxes on Americans who are rich. Uh, no, that's not going to do it. I'm just going to tell you right now, it's not going to do it. It's not going to outpace the spending. Also, the taxes that he's talking about relieving make no sense. He, he is talking right now about essentially ending pass-through corporations. Pass-through corporations are where you have an LLC. The LLC, money flows to the LLC, but you're essentially the only employee of the LLC. And then you pay income tax on the on the money that you receive from the LLC. Very, very common form of legal formation. It's designed in order to sort of regularize accounting procedures and put profits and losses in the LLC before you're paid. Okay, But that's a pass through LLC. So the LLC doesn't pay the corporate income tax. He wants you to pay the corporate income tax at an income tax rate at the LLC, and then apparently pay the income tax again when you get it from your LLC. So you're getting double taxed is is essentially his proposal. Now, this is going nowhere. It's not going to pass. It's not going to go anywhere. But Again, it shows you what Joe Biden wants. More taxing, more spending, always and forever. The good news, according to Karine Jean-Pierre, world's most untalented press secretary, is that um, his policies are fiscally responsible. By fiscally responsible, she means responsible like a, a raging alcoholic downing three bottles of vodka and then driving a car 100 miles an hour through a school zone in the middle of broad daylight.
1: He's now kind of making budget deficit reduction a cornerstone of his policy. Why did this become more of a priority, and what does he think this
0: does for everyday Americans?
1: So as, as you just kind of alluded to and laid out, this has been um, a priority from the President when we talk about deficit uh, deficit reduction, when we talk about having being fiscally responsible. This is something that the President has talked about since the campaign. And you hear me, just as I did moments ago, talk about the $1.7 trillion deficit that he did the first two years. And it was important to the President as he's going to put forward his budget tomorrow, and as, as you've probably heard us say, we see this as a value statement on what the President sees in the future of this country. Uh, and so he wanted to make sure it was fiscally responsible.
0: Um, no, uh, I'm sorry. The answer right there would be no, he's not fiscally responsible. OK, time for some things I like and then some things that I hate. So things that I like today. So there is a, a very famous YouTuber, maybe the most famous YouTuber. His name is Mr. Beast. And Mr. Beast does these really extraordinarily watchable videos. On YouTube, he puts extraordinary amounts of time and effort into making these videos, which means that he is wildly successful on YouTube. Well, he also gives a lot of charity. And he then gets, and then he gets just enormous amounts of crap for giving a lot of charity. When I say he's successful on YouTube, I mean like he has 137 million subscribers on YouTube. And he puts out videos like, I survived 50 hours in Antarctica or Hydraulic Press versus Lamborghini. And these are some of his his recently uploaded videos. He puts out maybe one a month. And these videos are like very highly produced, extraordinarily well done. And um, and then he gives a lot of charity. So a month ago, for example, he gave money via his charity to so that a thousand blind people could have surgeries that would allow them to see for the first time. And then he just did another video in which. He offered shoes to kids who had never had shoes in South Africa. Here was some of the video.
1: For hundreds of thousands of kids in South Africa, the only thing standing between them and an education is a simple pair of shoes. But before tackling this major problem by donating 20,000 pairs of shoes, we flew to Johannesburg, South Africa, where we found a charity called Barefoot No More that uses these plastic granules, and then it goes through all these tubes and does a bunch of other complicated mechanical stuff that eventually creates the perfect seamless shoe. Whoa, these are actually really nice.
0: Okay, so he gives away the shoes, right? Nice thing to do, pretty cool story. Naturally, the Twitterverse is filled with awful people. So they immediately start yelling at him. So you have people like, for example, Upward Boss. He tweets people praising things like this good guy, Mr. Beast. Ignore the reality that he makes a profit from these types of videos. This isn't really charity. So first of all, the money that makes from the videos does go to charity on these particular videos. The charity videos go to his charity. But beyond that, let's assume for a second that he actually made money from those videos and then he gave the money to charity. The problem is, please explain. Please explain the problem. Well, the real problem is, according to a lot of the people who do not like Mr. Beast and they do not like his charitable giving, that your obligation is not to actually do good in the world. Your obligation is to fight the evil capitalist system. That is what you have to do. Fight the evil, terrible, no good, very bad capitalist system that has raised literally more than half, like 80% of the world from abject poverty. Fight that system. So one... Rather famous tweet about Mr. Beast from September of 2020 reads, quote, every heartwarming human interest story in America is like he raised $20,000 to keep 200 orphans from being crushed in the orphan crushing machine and then never asks why an orphan crushing machine exists or why you'd need to pay to prevent it from being used. Uh, Unless you're fighting the system, private charity is not only a waste of time, it's actually bad because it incentivizes a continuation of the system. Now, this is nothing new in terms of left-wing philosophy. Bernie Sanders, back in 1981, ripped into private charity. Here's what he said, quote, I don't believe in charities. Why? Because he said charity is a fundamental. He doesn't like the fundamental concept on which charity is based. He contended the government is supposed to do it. Because if you give charity, then you're upholding a system of profit making. And profit making is bad. And so what we ought to do is not incentivize charity. Instead, what we ought to do is we ought to incentivize the end of the entire capitalist structure. The people who argue this are idiots. They do not understand the value of capitalism. They do not understand the value of free markets. They don't understand that free exchange of goods and services, again, has lifted billions of people from abject poverty. And they're kind of bad people as well. If you spend your days on Twitter ripping into people who are giving charity to people who can't see, I'm sorry, you're the baddie. You're the bad guy. It's amazing that these folks even um, are out there, but you know, they are. Because the world is filled with people with terrible, terrible ideas. Okay, meanwhile, here's a, here's a thing that I like. So another thing that I like here is... um. Ron DeSantis, again, the way that he's handling the media right now is really, really good. So the media have lied about him already. They, they've already turned him into a combo of Hitler, Stalin, and Mussolini. And they have decided that he's done a bunch of things he hasn't actually done. So the headline, for example, at Matt Drudge's Drudge Report, and Drudge has become sort of a left-wing tool in a wide variety of ways. He, uh, he, his headline right now, it's a picture of DeSantis. And the headline is, DeSantis runs from Florida blogger Bill. DeSantis runs from Florida blogger Bill. He didn't run from it. It wasn't his bill. So what the media did is one dumb state senator in Florida proposed a bill to get bloggers who were paid by interest groups to register with the government. DeSantis' name was not it. He didn't sponsor the bill. He didn't back the bill. Every story featuring this bill that he did not sponsor back, support, call for, every story featured his picture. He says, I'm not even behind the bill. And you put my picture on the bill because you want to slander me with a bill I don't support. And the headline from Drudge then is DeSantis runs from Florida blogger Bill. It's just wildly dishonest. Wildly, wildly dishonest. Okay, and, and another lie that they keep ta- they keep saying that he's banning books in the state of Florida. Again, I live in the state of Florida. I can get any book I damn well please. I'm an adult. I can order on Amazon. It'll just come right to my door. It's amazing. Amazing this has been true in the United States for a very long time. What Ron DeSantis is saying is you should not have porn in school libraries, which seems fairly straightforward. Now, here's where we get to the part I like. Ron DeSantis did a presser yesterday in which he showed a video. The video that he showed was of the books that were in the school libraries and what exactly those books said. The books are so obscene that the networks were broadcasting had to tune away. So in other words, their argument is your seven-year-old should be able to access these books, but you as an adult should not be able to see what is in the school library on CNN because it's too obscene for you. Here's a little bit of Ron DeSantis' press conference yesterday.
1: I didn't have to view what you just viewed, so... Uh, I'm glad glad I didn't, but I think that um, we need to have truth prevail. And so today we're going to be exposing, we've already exposed with that video, I think, this idea of a a book ban in Florida that somehow they don't want books in the library. That's a hoax. Uh, And that's really a a, a nasty hoax because it's a hoax in service of trying to pollute and sexualize our children. Uh, So we uh, have seen over many weeks. So first of all, I think that that video, I think some of the news had to cut the feed
0: because it's graphic. And DeSantis knows how to handle himself. He knows how to handle the media. And that is a good thing. Okay, time for some things that I hate. I I have to say that the parenting strategy by which you completely destroy your children, you usher them into into chaos and confusion, sexual confusion, confusion about the realities of life and then you exhibit them for the entire public to see is sick. There's something wrong with it. You should not be taking your 12-year-old having a mental issue and put them on the world stage. In any case, children deserve privacy. It is a thing that they deserve. And yet, this is exactly what Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union are doing. So Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union, again, their whole thing is that that children should have privacy, Except, and we are taking our son, our 15-year-old son, and saying that he is a girl. And then we should uh, exhibit this 15-year-old minor on a catwalk debut at Paris Fashion Week. This is textbook terrible parenting, textbook. And if there were a textbook and it said terrible parenting, pictures of Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union would appear apparently in that textbook. How you would take a 15-year-old of any persuasion, by the way, and exhibit that person on a Paris Fashion Week stage while they were suffering from some sort of mental issue any sort of issue that causes them pain or confusion. I don't know why you would do that, especially when you're talking about something as deep and abiding as a belief that you're a member, the lie that you're a member of the opposite sex. And then you exhibit this for your own glorification because look what a wonderful parent I am because I'm so tolerant, I'm so diverse that I can take my son, dress him up as a girl, usher him into hormone therapy and presumably genital mutilating surgery. And then as a minor, 15 years old, who's been identifying this way since 12. 12-year-olds don't make any decisions in our society because 12-year-olds are not capable of making decisions in our society. We'll do this, and then we'll glorify ourselves by putting this boy in girls' clothing and in girls' makeup on a stage at Paris Fashion Week. I mean, I'm sorry, this is child cruelty. This is cruelty to a child. That's what this is. Here is here's the Instagram. That is uh, Dwayne Wade with uh, his son, who is dressed as uh, as a girl. Zaya's birth mother, Siobhan Funches wade was not in attendance, according to the Daily Mail, after she launched a petition to stop her trans child from legally changing her name and gender, and claimed the child was being pressured financially to make the decision. That petition failed after Wade argued in court he had full authority to make decisions on behalf of Zaya. On Tuesday, the NBA star and his wife, Union, beamed with pride as they watched Zaya make her catwalk debut. Again, Zaya is a boy who is 15 years old and is now being trotted out in public. And, um, you know, you can, such heroism, such unbelievable parenting heroism, which is really all about Munchausen syndrome by proxy and about attention getting on, on the part of these parents. Meanwhile, one more thing that I hate. So I know that we've all forgotten about the time that Joe Biden decided to stab every Afghan ally in the back by pulling out of Afghanistan so precipitously that the government fell to the Taliban and then essentially handing over the city of Kabul to terrorists and then not providing any of the resources necessary for our military to evacuate the people we needed to evacuate, leaving hundreds, if not thousands of Americans behind and getting 13 American service members killed in the process. Now, it really destroyed Biden's approval rating at the time, but I know that we have a short memory. And so people prefer to forget about these things. It was one of the worst things, if not the worst thing I've ever seen a president of the United States do. And yesterday, there was testimony from a U.S. Marine Corps sergeant. The U.S. Marine Corps sergeant's name is Tyler Vargas Andrews. And he gave testimony on the catastrophe of what happened in Afghanistan the weekend before the pullout. here's what he had to say. We reassured him of the ease of fire on the suicide bomber. Pointedly,
1: we asked him for engagement, authority, and permission. We asked him if we could shoot. Our battalion commander said, and I quote, I don't know, end quote myself and my team leader asked very harshly well who does because this is your responsibility sir he again replied he did not know but would find out we received no update and never got our answer eventually the individual disappeared to this day we believe he was a suicide bomber we made everyone on the ground aware operations had briefly halted but then started again plain and simple we were ignored about 17:30, staff sergeant darren hoover friend and mentor <clears throat> came to get me from the tower to go help find an Afghan interpreter in the crowd. I stayed there waiting for the family members standing against a two-foot canal wall. 10 minutes passed. Then a flash and a massive wave of pressure. I'm thrown 12 feet onto the ground, but instantly knew what had happened. I opened my
0: eyes to Marines dead or unconscious lying around me. Okay, this this particular Military member lost an arm and a leg and internal organs. He's had 44 surgeries to date. And according to Vargas Andrews, no one wanted to hear the post-blast report at all. At all. And no one should ever forget the stab in the back that that came from the Biden administration to our own military members and again our allies and to Americans who were left on the ground there. It was the it was a signally cowardly pullout by Joe Biden in the manner, and even if you agree with the idea that the United States should not have been there, the, the manner in which the pullout was done was disastrous and horrifying. And I know that we've forgotten about it and put it in the rearview mirror. It is the single worst thing that Joe Biden has done today. And he's done an awful lot of bad things. It is by far the single worst thing that he has done. And the fact that you now have Marines who, again, where were the hearings when Democrats were in charge of Congress? I mean, I, I was under the impression that everybody was pro-military. So where were the hearings when it came to why 13 American service members were murdered by a suicide bomber? in the middle of a supposedly well-planned pullout by the Biden administration. Why that's not at the top of the national news, even now, is beyond, me. like, this will not appear. That clip will not appear. on I mean, the You know if Trump were president would. It's, it's an amazing, amazing thing, and it is, uh, it is deeply upsetting and gut-churning, obviously. Okay, well, the rest of the show is continuing right now. You're not going to want to miss it. We will be getting into the mailbag. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. Click the link in the description and join us. <laughs>
2: This show is brought to you by Helix Sleep. Sleep, especially as you get older, is so critical, but no two people sleep alike. That's why Helix offers several different mattress models, each designed for specific sleep positions and preferences. Go to helixsleep.com dailywire and take their sleep quiz to find the mattress made for you. Whether you're a side sleeper, a stomach sleeper, a hot sleeper, or a cold sleeper, Helix has just the mattress for you. I took the Helix Sleep Quiz and was matched with a Helix Midnight Mattress because I wanted a medium firmness and I sleep on my side. I am sleeping so much better on my new mattress. Don't want to take my word for it? Well, Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Take the quiz and order the perfect mattress right to your door, shipped for free. It's so quick and fun to unbox, and you won't believe how well you'll sleep. All Helix mattresses come with a 100-night trial and a 10- or 15-year warranty. Helix even offers financing options and flexible payment plans. A great night's sleep is never far away. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and a free bedroom bundle for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash dailywire and use code HELIXPARTNER20. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. That's helixsleep.com slash dailywire code helixpartner20.